0: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation.
1: Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. If you happen to be uh, watching us at QSportsTalk.com, talk.com uh Pauly was just in the he was just in the middle of a really good story. You're, you're gonna have to finish that story. Um,
2: that is a cliffhanger right in the there.
1: next uh, the next commercial when the FBI came to the station to talk to Pauly. So you'll get the conclusion <laughs> of that story on Q Sports Talk uh, in the next break. Um, but we we get back to basketball here. Um, nine o'clock tip tonight, uh, between Syracuse and NC state. And again, you just, you know, you look around the conference, Paulie, and there's just, it, there's a whole lot of mediocre. We, we talked about this the other day on the show. Who's the second best team in the conference? We know Duke's the best team in the conference. Who's the second best team in the conference? I'm, I'm not sure you can come up with a definitive answer. Um, you know, Miami, I guess record wise is the second best team in the conference. Uh, you know, they're tied with Duke at eight and they two in conference Duke. play. They did beat Duke. Um, but it's so, yes. right. I think I think that's 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 who you would have to say now. But do you definitively know that Miami is the second no. best team? Is that that's that's kind of the point? Is that you know Duke's yeah, the only no. team ranked in the in the top twenty five right now, and after that, it's just a it's a whole lot of mediocre. It's a whole lot of teams that are, are inconsistent, have been up and down, and I mean even North Carolina's. You know they've had some head scratching losses, and and just when you think they've you know they figured it out, they they lose to somebody and. Um, it's it's Duke and everybody else right now in this conference. A lot of lot of teams fighting, you know, between like two and twelve uh, in this conference.
2: Yeah, like the other day I said, you know, Notre Dame might be the second best team in the conference, and they might get crushed by Duke. <laughs> right. and they did, right? Like you can't, you don't know.
1: Scored fourteen you points don't. in the first half.
2: Yeah, Duke is that much better. The fact that they've lost to any team in this ACC is shocking to me.
1: Well, you're gonna have bad nights, though. I mean, you're you know you're gonna have bad nights, and and it, you know it, Miami's only lost twice, and and both times it was to Florida State, and it's interesting because we see Florida State, and you know Syracuse very easily, you know could have could have won both games against Florida State. Um, so it's it, you know it, it Miami's not better than Duke. They were on that particular day, obviously, but. Um, you know, outside of Duke, there's there's just a whole lot of mediocre.
2: shouldn't Be losing to anybody in this terrible conference this year. They should be.
1: It's they should. They should. They should Gonzaga it like uh, like Gonzaga yeah. does. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're that much better than everybody else. They should. I know, mean, they they should not lose again.
1: They've lost two games by a combined three points. So
2: it's going to happen. You're not.
1: You're not going. You're not going to win every game, especially not in the ACC. This isn't Gonzaga's mm-hmm. West Coast Conference. There.
2: It's close. I mean, it's not close this year. You're not getting 28-point dogs, but Duke is that much better. Yeah, They they should not lose another game this year in the ACC.
1: All right, so we, we discussed this uh, following the game on Saturday, right? That was the best we've seen this team play, um, especially in the second half, but the best we've seen them play on both ends of the court. Like, we've seen them play offensively very well, but the defense has just been lacking all year, and for whatever reason – that second half against Wake Forest, they clicked. They forced a lot of turnovers. They forced bad shots. You know, they rebounded well, and it led to offense at the other end. And they end up winning by 22. And, and so, you know, I asked Griff the question about, uh, you know, is it good as coaches to be able to point to that? And you know, as, as much as they show negative plays and say this is what we got to work on, I'd imagine it, it's good to have a game like that, Paulie, where so much goes right, and you can point to it and say, you know what, guys, like this is what we've been talking about. This is what you are capable of and and let's see if we can replicate that moving forward and that's the million dollar question going into tonight right paulie it's you know can they do it again and not i'm not talking about shoot 70% in the second half or you know and and shoot you know close to 60% in the game that's not not what i'm talking about can they replicate that performance on both ends of the court in that you know can they play defense like they did against wake forest because if they do they they're going to be tough to beat again especially against these mediocre teams and this is a mediocre team they're playing tonight
2: Yeah, they also can't come out like they did against Pittsburgh. And I also thought it was interesting that Griff said, you said, did you take this and say, hey, look, this is what it is if it works. And he said, no, do you know who I work
1: for?
2: (laughs) We were pointing out where they still screwed up on
0: defense
1: and
2: where they need to get better. And, you know, to expect this team to come out and repeat that, like they have, we say this all the time, they have zero margin for error. And... To expect, it, like, that was a, almost a perfect second half last game. It was. And, and you're, you may not get that again, but it does show that, hey, if you do 75% of that, you're going to be able to get a win.
1: Well, here's you know, here's the, the thing, Paulie. You know, it, it, was, it was almost a perfect second half at both ends of the court, but here's the point. They shot 50% in the first half, and they were losing. Right? So that that's my point is that it's more so on the defensive end where, yes, they shot 60%, 62% in the second half to be exact, but it was really right. the defensive end that made the difference. We've been saying it all year. We know this team can score, and they've played so many close games, and if they could just defend and if they could get a stop here or there where they absolutely needed it, those five games that came down to one possession, maybe you go three and two in them. you know. And now <laughs> things look a little bit different. Uh, than they do right now, and and so yes, I don't I expect them to come out and shoot sixty two percent again in a half. But they have shot close to fifty percent in a lot of halves this year. They did it on Saturday, and they were down at the half. So it, it really comes down to can they defend, and did they figure something out, or was it just a, a good matchup for them? And you know, Wake had an off day, whatever the case may be. I, I'm curious to see if they can if they can build off of that, or if it was just kind of a one hit wonder type of thing.
2: And we've said this a million times. When you go back to those crazy Final Four runs Syracuse had, would they? You know, nobody expected it. It was because those teams bought in on the defensive end. This it may be too late this year, but it will be interesting to see if maybe that clicked last game. That, you know, we can do this defensively,
1: yeah, and, and that's what it's got to come down to. And we hear it all the time, too. But it's not, you know, the coaches say it all the time that it's it, it, it does start with defense, and we know that defense travels. You're going to have off nights where the ball doesn't go in the hoop. Um, you know, you look at that the beginning of that Duke game where they just they could not buy a shot, they had so many shots spin out on them, and then. You know, before they know it, it, you know they're down 14 at the half, and they get buried in the second half. Defense travels. If they defensively could have stayed in that game until you know they started, you know, making some shots, maybe it's a different story. I'm not saying they would have beaten Duke, but you know they wouldn't have got rolled maybe the way that they did. Um, it does start on defense. Defense travels. You can count on defense, even if you're not making shots. Um, and and this team has not been able to rely on that end of the court. And and maybe just maybe they figured something out against Wake Forest and and can build upon it. We do have to take a timeout. Full line's open all of our number one, 315-437-7644. Quick timeout here. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.
0: Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation.
1: All right, we got a few minutes left here in hour number two. It'll be uh, Pauly and Eric Columbia taking you through hour number three. Uh, I'll be with you three hours tomorrow, Pauly, and then uh, it'll be you and Mario for uh, Orange Nation overtime on Friday. So that brings you up to date on the rest of the week
2: i made an orange nation overtime open i just gotta load it into the system when i'm back in the office all
1: right you promised us uh today that we'd have it but so we'll wait till tomorrow but you, we won't need it tomorrow because i'll be here so
3: i could hypothetically just download it and play it if i were a good producer yes let's do it
1: you could that's true um all right jordan you wanted to quickly recap our uh our guest the line segment from yesterday before i get out of here
3: yeah i want to teach uh i want to Use what we did yesterday to teach everyone about these lines. If you weren't listening, we played Guess the Line. We had some college basketball games, and these guys tried to be pro handicappers. We did a couple of ACC games. So first things first, you guys both thought that Virginia, B.C., that line was a little too small at about nine and a half. Virginia actually won by 12, so Vegas knew what they were talking about there. However... You guys both thought that UNC favored by 3.5 was fair. That was what both you guys picked. They won by 7.
1: Yeah, they really didn't, though, but they did. What do you mean mean
3: mean they really didn't? Did you watch the game? I did, but I want you to tell me your thoughts about
1: it. uh, They were fortunate to win by 7. And, listen, it sounds like uh, Paulie and I both benefited off the outcome of that game, but there were some questionable calls uh, at the end of regulation and certainly in overtime. There was a, a flagrant foul called against Louisville in overtime. That was there was some acting involved, and um, it, it that was not a seven point game. Someone Carolina, took
3: Tar Heels minus three and a half.
1: No, I mean I'm 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 fortunate I'm fortunate that we uh, yeah, that they won, but they, that was not a seven point game. Um, so in any event, um, so so what what are we learning from this um, from this exercise? It's that like. So, you said Vegas set the line at like eight and a half, nine for the Virginia game. So, you know.
3: So, you're sitting there and you're thinking this line is way too big.
1: Right. So, Paulie and I are, we're like, we're novices. So, we're like Joe Q Public who thinks that's too much. I'm going to take Boston College and then Virginia ends up winning by 12. That's the point of this exercise. Yeah. Like,
3: so here's another one for the Auburn Bama game yesterday. You thought that line was pretty okay. Uh, I think you said four and a half. Paulie said it was an eight and a half point game and Auburn went out and won by 19. So Paulie, what, what was your lean on that that made you think that Auburn was going to win by more than Vegas did?
2: I've seen Auburn play and they're the better team by a lot.
3: Just give me pick the better team, pick the better team. Yes. There's, there's one more that I want to get to that nobody had anything on. UConn was a big favorite over Creighton Creighton actually won. Yeah. Creighton actually Outright. won. I was sitting here saying yesterday, I'm surprised that UConn is this good. Apparently they stink. So I guess if well, there's a problem. aren't they the there, one team that beat Auburn? I mean, we don't care. We don't care
1: about that. So the interesting <laughs> thing about that game is, is UConn was down. I want to say UConn was down like 10 at the half. They actually came back and took the lead midway through the second half. And then you're thinking, all right, you know, UConn's going to blow them out from here, pull away or whatever the case may be, at least win the game. And they didn't. And I, you know, credit Creighton for, you know, withstanding that that run and uh pulling back ahead and uh and winning. There's a you know what? There's a lot of good teams in the Big East. There really are. Um Big East is is going to be well represented in the NCAA tournament I I think there they're gonna be some dangerous teams to come out of that conference. Like Providence, Marquette. You you watch these teams play like it's not just Villanova. Like there are some there's some good teams uh, in that conference, and, and Creighton, of course, making a push here, um, you know, to join the likes of you know UConn and Marquette and Villanova. Uh, Seton Hall is having a, a good year, although they've uh, you know they they cooled off after a really hot start. But there are a lot of good teams in that conference. Final uh, thought, thought Polly, before uh, before I get out of here, anything any parting words from you?
2: Shouldn't you? No, good riddance.
1: It's his thing, not my thing, Jordan. It's his thing. It's his final thoughts. I have no final thoughts. I give my thoughts throughout the show. Pauly just kind of sits there a lot of the time, and especially during interviews, I just didn't know if there was anything he wanted to let me know before we parted ways. Um, but he didn't. No,
2: I'm about to let Eric Columbia handle an interview next. I know it's you are. Nice. I know you are. It's especially better at home when I'm sitting in the comfort of my home with my dog while someone interviews somebody. It's nice.
1: Kick your feet up. Um, all right, uh, we're going to take a timeout. I'm out of here. I'll be back at uh, noon tomorrow. It'll be Pauly Sebelia, Eric Columbia, taking you the rest of the way on ESPN Radio.
0: WTLA North Syracuse. WSGO Oswego. W249BC Mattydale. W261AC Oswego. WTKWHD2 Bridgeport. ESPN Radio. May the ocean make them clean. Maybe and It's
3: go time! Time to play
0: the game! Are you telling me that you built a time machine? People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. This is Orange Nation Overtime.
2: It is Orange Nation Overtime. Pauly Sebelia, Eric Columbia with you. Our fancy new open. That didn't quite go. <laughs> or when we aired it, Eric. How are you? I'm doing well, well a okay. fancy.
4: I, I don't know if I, I would call it that, but it, it certainly was something, Pauly.
2: I tried to use the word time as much <laughs> as, uh, as I possibly could.
3: I butchered but it. it, it. It'll sound yourself better yourself. next time.
2: Let's uh, let's bring in Tony Hayes, radio color analyst for the North Carolina State Wolfpack. Tony, speaking of time, I've been around the ACC as long as Syracuse has been in it, and this year has not been a great year for the ACC. Where would you rank this year among other years, and what do you think the biggest difference is this year from other years in the ACC?
5: You know, I haven't really given that a lot of thought. Uh, there have been times, though, I think that Miami deserves a little more credit than maybe they're getting nationally, but that's kind of what happens when the perception is that this is a way down year for ACC basketball. But uh, I think before the end of the season, uh, we may find a few more teams in the NCAA tournament than they're expecting. North Carolina seems to be getting its act together right now. The Tar Heels have won four in a row. Uh, but there are some, you know, teams have just been so inconsistent this year other than just Miami and and Duke and uh, consistency has been uh, very elusive and so I think you look around the league certainly not uh, we're not blessed with as many maybe top 10 top 15 draft picks as you might see in a typical season for the ACC um, for the ACC but I think that'll probably be short lived
4: Tony, Eric Columbia here. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, I know mm-hmm. around here in the Salt City, when there's a loss, the Orange Nation here can get a bit dramatic. After a win, maybe not so much. <laughs> but after NC State uh, you know, takes a loss on the road against UNC, how are they feeling yeah. and how is the team feeling after that big loss?
5: Well, the fans here never enjoy losing to their arch rival, for sure, and especially in that fashion. I mean, North Carolina... Just couldn't miss a shot in the first half and came out and made eight of their first ten threes. And from that point on, it, NC State was put in a position to play catch-up. And I don't know that uh, that is a good matchup for State. Um, as you guys know, that Wolfpack lost arguably its best player in the first game of the season, Manny Bates, who was probably the best shot blocker in the country and a, an improving offensive player as well. And there's just a dra- dramatic difference between Manny Bates and the guys that are playing behind him and against a North Carolina team that features Armando Baycott. I think that was a very difficult matchup for NC State. Just kind of look at the matchup of the manpower. When Carolina shoots the ball like that, they're going to be tough to beat. And, in fact, they've been unbeatable at home this year. Tar Heels are 12-0 and at the Smith Center. But to be sure, like any fan base, if you lose a game like that, especially to an art tribal that's only 30 miles down the road, Fans are going to complain about it. Uh, You expect that. You appreciate the passion. You know, fans these days, they have uh, more platforms to express their displeasure, as you guys know as well, with with social media and such. So, yeah, people make a lot of noise after games like that. And uh, I know that uh, you guys up at Syracuse run into that as well because expectations for winning are very high there. And it's probably a, a spoiled fan base, to be sure but uh, nobody's perfect and you know the season goes on and uh, we'll see nc state can get the, sh- the ship turned around you know the Wolfpack has a good fortune of playing the next three games at home so it's an opportunity for them
4: seaborn seemed to really struggle against the tar heels only two points first time all season yeah. he doesn't reach double figures uh, are we expecting mm-hmm. a bounce back game for him against uh, Syracuse in that two three zone how do you expect seaborn to uh, rebound uh,
5: yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how he fares against the zone because Sebron's a slasher. He's a downhill player. I mean, he's a he's a tri- terrific player off the bounce, getting the ball in the paint. He's elite in transition with the basketball in his hands, but he's also a marked man now. He's had so much success here in what is his redshirt sophomore season that um, you know teams defensively are coming up with scouting reports designed to keep him out of the paint keep him off the free-throw line, I think it's very difficult to drive straight-line drive against the Syracuse zone. I mean, that's one of the reasons the, the Orange play it, and they, and they play it so successfully. Uh, against North Carolina, you know, Sebron had Leaky Black on him, and I think Leaky Black brings a, a different uh, physical approach to playing defense against a guy like Sebron. One of the things that Sebron, he's taken advantage of this year, is he's basically playing point guard, and he's seven. So most of the time he has a smaller man on him, and he's been able to take advantage of that. But Reliki Black is a different story. He brings a lot of length uh, to the table defensively. He's six, eight, and I think it's one of the few times this year that Sebron has actually uh, looked eye-to-eye uh, with the man who's trying to defend him. And North Carolina also did a good job of uh, just staying connected to the shooters. Baycott protected the rim, and early in the game, Sebron had a couple of his shots uh, rejected by... Amando Baycott, man, it seemed to really get him out of sync. But uh, that is a great question to ask. I'll be curious as well to see how successful he is against Syracuse because the state NC State has not played against a lot of zone this year.
4: So even in last time out with uh Braun, you know, he, he struggled. You had a uh, Smith, 34 points. He really can shoot the rock, especially from distance. Mm. And I'm wondering, do you think this could be a potential showdown of Smith versus buddy? We're just trading back going three pointer after three pointer because when it comes to the ACC yeah. and threes, those are two of the best.
5: Well, I know Buddy Bayheim was great against NC State last year. In those three games, he was fantastic. Uh, he and Alan Griffin both uh, were the two primary reasons Syracuse swept the three games. And uh, Buddy not only shot the ball well against State last year, he used his size uh, to back his way into the paint. And State had smaller guards. You know, Braxton Beverly was one of their starters last year. He's Barely six feet tall, and I thought Buddy did a good job of using his size when he got a matchup like that. Um, yeah, Terquavion Smith is probably licking his chops right now, knowing that he's going to face his own, but I'm sure they'll he'll get some extra attention on his side of the floor. Uh, one of the things he did well against North Carolina is he drove the ball. He's not just a three-point shooter, and, and they've actually – tweak their offense a little bit to uh, provide some opportunities for him to get downhill into the basket, you know, against North Carolina, he got to the foul line 13 times. He was 11 of 13. So um, he also can take the ball to the hole, but yeah, he, he, he's streaky. He's fearless, but he is a great three point shooter. I think NC state will put three guys on the floor in the starting lineup that are accomplished shooters. though. not only Terquavion Smith, Jericho Hellums is a 40% uh, 42% three point shooter. Casey Morcell. The Virginia transfer, he can shoot the basketball as well. So um, in, in in that regard, I think it will be kind of interesting to watch, uh, see how this matchup plays out with uh, NC State surrounding that zone with three pretty good shooters.
4: How do other teams in the conference view Syracuse? Is there any fear at all when Syracuse comes into their building? And I imagine like years past, especially when uh, Syracuse first got into the ACC and they went on that big uh, run, you know, winning 24, 25 games in a row. Maybe there was some fear there. But do teams now fear Syracuse team coming into the building?
5: Sure. I think they do. They know the tradition of Syrac- Syracuse basketball and uh, they understand the legacy that uh, uh, Jim Beheim has created there with their program. And, you know, I, I, I think teams view Syracuse a little bit. It's like in football where you're preparing for the wishbone because this day and age you just don't see a lot of zone and you don't prepare for zone very much. And uh, the teams that do play zone defenses, they're not great at it. And I know Coach Bayheim Bo- this year is not terribly excited about the way they've defended uh, uh, compared to years past, but yeah, I, I think everybody looks at Syracuse and views Syracuse as a team that's difficult to prepare for because they're kind of throwing you a little bit of a curveball with that zone defense, and and I think the zone is talked about so much it probably gets in the heads of some players as well. So it's 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 a difficult system to prepare for, and I think uh, everybody gets nervous facing uh, Buddy Baeheim the way he's improved and become such a a great offensive player and, and, and Joe Girard as well. So uh, yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's the ultimate respect for the Syracuse program because of uh, the great tradition there and, and all the winning that they've done for a long, long time.
4: So if the two, three zone is the Syracuse advantage heading into this matchup, what is the main Wolfpack advantage heading into tonight's game?
5: Uh, A couple of things. Uh, State does a pretty good job of taking care of the basketball. That's been a strength all season long. They average 10 turnovers per game. I think they've had like 12, 13 games this year where they had under 10 turnovers, which is really good. Um, And I think against Syracuse zone, everybody knows you guys know it's not a passive zone. It's a very active zone. They get out on the wings. They lift up on the wings. They try to force turnovers. They force 17 turnovers against Wake Forest, uh, which was big for them on Saturday. That allows them to get out and run and get some easy baskets. So I think for NC State, if if the pack takes care of the basketball the way it has done most of the year, um, that would help NC State in this matchup against Syracuse. The other thing State does very well is go to the offensive glass. And one problem with zones uh, every now and then is defensive rebounding becomes more of a challenge because you don't have the defined box-out responsibilities that you have a man-to-man defense. Uh, Sebron, especially is a very good offensive rebounder slash into the basket. So, um, you know, State's averaging around 12 offensive rebounds per game. That's been a strength. I think their expectation is when you're going against a zone that maybe uh, they should uh, have some success on the offensive glass, and we'll just have to see how it plays out.
4: So, I, I mean, I can't imagine uh, as someone here who lives in Syracuse, works with a lot of uh, SU uh, alums. Uh, I, I don't imagine I, I met, I come across too many uh, NC State guys uh, doing radio uh, radio work. How many? How many are uh, from the Wolfpack out there doing some radio work these days, Tony?
5: Oh my goodness, we have a, a, a long line of uh, people who have been in the broadcasting business. You know Terry Gannon, right? Who okay. uh, does TV for Golf Channel, and he's done the Olympics. A very versatile broadcaster is Terry. Uh, Terry was actually a uh, basketball player at NC State. He played on NC State's 1983 national championship team, and he went on and he's had a very successful career in broadcasting. You mentioned radio. I'm just talking about uh, I'm, I'm talking about broadcasting in general. Uh, you know of Dan Plesac? I'm assuming, right? Uh, MLB Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One the Yeah, he he was a pitcher at NC State, and so he's had a pretty good broadcasting career. Um, John Tesh, uh, more of an entertainer, oh, a music Tesh. guy. John Tesh so we uh, went to not NC not State. Not only the NBC
4: basketball theme. Well, I guess now I should say Fox Sports, but uh, also uh, yeah, also an NC State alum. Um,
5: yeah, yeah ah, John that's Tesh. Uh, he's he's he, he, he yeah he was a DJ. Um, he's been an entertainer. Um, he went to nc state he started his career at the campus radio station uh, there was a guy here named jd hayworth who was in broadcasting for many many years but then he became a united states uh, congressman uh, out of arizona so he he got out of broadcasting moved on to politics and uh those are the guys off the top of my head right now but there there are a few more because i've worked uh, i've worked with some guys along the way
4: See, it's not just at you guys getting it done. There's other schools out there too, uh, producing some superb talent.
5: Yeah. Well, we don't. Yeah, we don't have Marv Albert, Bob Costas, and uh, the (laughs) long list of uh, great broadcasters (laughs) that you got. uh, You guys have produced up at Syracuse.
4: Well, uh, good luck with the uh, broadcast tonight, Tony.
5: Thanks. Nine o'clock game. I'll try to stay awake. Those are tough. (laughs) Those are the worst. We've become we become the king we become the kings of late night here. A lot of those this year.
2: All right, that's Tony Hayes, uh, color analyst for North Carolina State mm. basketball. Syracuse nine o'clock tonight is the tip. You can catch uh, the pregame with our own Matt Park, a Syracuse alum, uh, starting at seven thirty at TK ninety nine and AM twelve hundred. I uh, John Tesh called me once. Well really? Tell the story. I have a I have a John Tesh story. All right, so He's, I am also the program director of Sunny 102 locally, and he's trying to get his radio show on, uh, yeah. on Sunny 102, and he called me, and I was like, I answered, I'm, I'm ready for it to be a car warranty call, because I don't recognize it <laughs> Paulie, it's John Cash. Pesh, how are you? and he talked to me for 10 to 15 minutes. It was a super great guy, just trying to Did sell ask himself. Did you about
4: the show entertainment tonight. Cause that's what I remember him most from my childhood and him being the main host of entertainment tonight.
2: No, I think of him as the guy who wrote the theme song for like the NBA, right? Isn't that what he did? Right.
4: NBA, yes, yeah. Yes. He's also, yeah. He's also that too. And then apparently he's won Grammys as well. Cause apparently he's a, a good keyboard player.
2: Yeah. But also his late night TV. List. He's been okay. really funny at Conan and uh, Jay Leno. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk with Eric about his thoughts on tonight's uh, Syracuse-NC State game on ESPN Radio, Syracuse, Utica, Rome, and QSportsTalk.com.
0: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. It's go time! Time kids on slipping, slipping, slipping Into the future Time to play the game Are you telling me that you built a time machine? People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect This is Orange Nation Overtime It is
2: Orange Nation Overtime I made Jordan play the open again because he screwed it up the first time and it's my best work ever. And Hootie and the Blowfish time playing. It's Paulie Eric Columbia with you. And Eric, you brought up NC State alumni, and there's nothing that gets me more excited than when you talk about a school and their famous alumni. And I'm looking at Ranker, And do you mm-hmm. know who the number one alum from most famous alum from NC State is?
4: I mean, if it's not John Tesh, now I don't, I don't even know He's who I'm He's number Zach three. There's Galifianakis.
2: How do you say his name? Galifianakis. Galifianakis.
4: Okay, I, I didn't realize he was a Wolfpack.
2: John Edwards, former uh, senator.
4: Russell Man, Wilson. I mean, can, we, can they even claim him now? I thought Wisconsin <laughs> gets him since they got him in the uh, in the portal. Philip Rivers is number nine. Yeah. If it, if it's not sports, I really don't know uh, who is an alumni of almost any school. Corey Holt. Spud Webb. Yes.
2: in
5: the did top 15.
4: But the last ate, time I was it. down in Raleigh for football, Tori Holt was there and I saw him on the sideline. So I did know he was a Wolfpack, even though I don't really remember watching him play in the ACC back in the day.
2: Syracuse fans will remember uh, Torrey Holt. He absolutely ate Syracuse alive in a game once. So um, there you go. Those are the most famous NC State on.
4: Oh, yeah, Galifianakis, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I was sleeping on Galifianakis.
2: Zach Galifianakis, I laugh because when Jordan does his interviews on Q Sports Talk, there's always a big tree behind him, and I say it's between <laughs> two turns with uh, Jordan Capozzi. So, Eric, what do you uh, think of tonight's game? Like it's a must, all games are must wins for Syracuse right now. And yeah, you they, know
4: they virtually have to win like seven to eight of these last regular season games. I think to even be in the, in the conversation. So a loss tonight is, is not, uh, would not go according to plan, but I think this is one they definitely can lose. I think NC state in the limited amount of, uh, you know games that I've watched them I think they they fit perfectly into how you should be able to play a team like SU and just the fact that they have multiple guys who can stroke it from behind the arc they have multiple guys who could fill it up can score in bunches and really stretch out that zone so this one's going to be an interesting night uh, buddy is going to need to perform like he uh like he performed uh, in the last game and Joe Girard needs to be uh a plugged in JG three. It's no more plugged in Roby. It's plugged in JG three at this point. So they need all those efforts, uh, a maximum effort tonight for those guys, for them to get the win.
2: Now you say that this is a game that it's like all games, right? With this team are games they could lose, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: Let's not, you know, let's get it straight. I mean, every single team, I mean, this is a team that still lost. They lost to Colgate. They've lost to Georgetown. They've lost the teams that they, they shouldn't have lost to. They've lost the teams that really on paper, you would think that they were better than, especially coming into the season when there was a lot of high hopes for this team. So the fact that we're saying they could lose the NC state, well, Heck yeah, they could lose to almost you know every single team in the country at this point. But if they bring it offensively, you never know when they have the puncher's chance and they walk in the one. And I feel they can beat a lot of good teams in the country as well, as we saw against Wake Forest just a few days ago.
2: Do you think they're capable of playing a full game of defense like they did in the second half against Wake
4: Forest? I, just- I don't think so. Yeah, because I just—they've never really shown that uh, with this iteration of guys, right? That they can play a full game of defense. If it has, it's escaping me uh, uh, on the top of my uh, dome right now. But uh, these guys aren't known for their defense. Jim Beheim has said all year that they're going to win. They're going to win by offense. So I, I imagine they're going to have to score seventy to eighty points tonight if they want to win. If it, this is a game in the sixties, I like NC State's chances.
2: And, and i'll get you one more here before we get caught up on time with the you know the, the miracle time. that it's going to take the, good one, the miracle that it's going to take to get this team to the ncaa tournament you know i was talking with stevie earlier even if they win six or seven that just puts them on the bubble like the best like you're hoping the best opportunity is 17 and 14 i would say at the end of the year, yeah, you know.
4: So, is it going to take a 2006 run? Then is it uh, ACC tournament or bust?
2: Right now, yes. Unless they win out the rest of the mm-hmm. year, it's then going to be that
4: happening Yeah, not, happening. not
2: great. Yeah, cause, but then you would have a win against Duke and uh, you know Miami and North Carolina if you won out going into the tournament, and that's not going to happen. But you want to put yourself in the. Hopefully, in a position where you don't need to win the ACC tournament, but maybe get to the semifinals would be your best hope right now.
4: Right, and in the last couple of years in the ACC tournament, they've they've won a couple. So, I mean, it's not uh, totally out of the realm of possibility. You steal some games here late, then you win a couple of games in the tournament, and maybe we're just doing what we've seemingly done for the past six years and just you know waiting with our butts puckered on Selection Sunday.
2: That is a term I've never heard, but I I I understood it like it was like it hit a spot like I knew what you were talking about immediately.
4: It immediately resonated with you. It's
2: like the first time I heard John Tesh. Yeah, I'm uh I'm expecting uh FanDuel to be happy following Puckered uh, but That uh, FanDuel (laughs) Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six. To celebrate new customers, can bet five dollars to win two hundred and eighty in cash. On either team to win, when you use promo code ORANGE and Syracuse Nation and Utica when registering, that's right, you'll get your winnings cold hard cash because we know cash is always better with free bets. I uh, happen to like the Rams. I'm going to probably be throwing my money on the Rams. I may even do a parlay because uh, I've got this obsession with Sony Michelle scoring, so I might even do a parlay at this point but who knows there's no better place to bet on super bowl 56 in the FanDuel sports app use the promo code orange in syracuse nation in utica for your chance to turn five dollars into 280 dollars cash must be present in new york 21 plus and new users only first ten dollar deposit required must wager designated offer market max bonus 280 dollars Restrictions apply full t- full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problems call 1-877-8 Hope and Y or text Hope and to 47369. I don't have a gambling problem. I have a Sony Michelle problem. I can't stop betting on him. I think he's gonna score a touchdown. Been betting all playoffs on him, and he's left me high and dry. We'll take a quick timeout, we'll come back, we'll uh, do a little buy or sell with Jordan NFL. And we'll get final predictions on the NC State game for myself and Erica. Eric, coming up next on ESPN Radio, Syracuse, Utica, Rome, and QSportsTalk.com.